Hey, Retrospectors, for our third birthday, we've filmed an hour-long Q&A answering your questions. We discuss our favourite facts, how we make the show, and what we've learned along the way. If you're already supporting us on Patreon, thank you. You can watch it right now at patreon.com slash retrospectors. And if you're not a Patreon member, sign up. You don't have to pay a thing to become a free member and watch it now. So check it out. It's free. Patreon.com slash retrospectors. It's September 20th. 1378, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Ariel, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. Picture the Spider-Man meme. You know the one with the Spider-Mans pointing at each other. Now picture a little white skull cap on each of their heads. (laughs) Congratulations, you've basically imagined the papal schism, which began today in history in 1378, when Cardinal Robert was elected anti-Pope Clement VII, launching a crisis which at its peak saw Catholics having their choice of three (laughs) rival popes. Can I just intervene and say, before you think that anti-Pope means... Some kind of inverted mm. pope, like, you know, the warrior of popes. That's not what anti-pope means. Anti-pope is an alternative pope. And in a particular period of the 14th century, extraordinarily, there was a time where there were three of them. Yeah, and this first of the three was kind of a an election by way of retaliation <laughs> by a group of breakaway cardinals who weren't very happy with the election of the chap who had just become Pope in Rome, who uh, took the name Urban VI. Uh, he was the successor of Gregory XI and was elected in part because Romans were pissed off that there had been such a series of <laughs> popes coming from Avignon in France that they wanted one that was Roman. And actually, even though Uh, Urban VI wasn't from Rome. He was actually from southern Lazio. That was sort of seen as being close enough for the people who elected him. But this then, the election that we're talking about today, was the breakaway group who were like, well, I'm not really sure about this guy. We still want someone friendly to our interests. And so they came up with their own pope. Yeah, so you'd be forgiven for thinking that these were like rival cardinals electing rival popes, but it was the same conclave. It was the same Mm. group of cardinals. They basically got back together and said, we only elected Urban VI because we were frightened of the Roman mob. We Mm. don't actually want him. We'll just let the guy that we want, which was Clement VII. And the first thing he did was move back to Avignon. The papacy had only just moved back to Rome. It had been in Avignon in southern France for 40 years. And Gregory XI had only just decided it was time to go back to Rome. And then he very promptly died. Then you have the Romans saying, we've just got the Pope back. The next one better be Roman or we're going to be really annoyed. And the French being like, well, look what happened. We sent him back and then he died. See, it's easier when they're French, isn't it? And so you end up with both. Yeah, so the person who they chose, Robert of Geneva, who is now our anti-pope, Clement VII, he had actually been living in England as rector of Bishop Wearmouth in County Durham, having previously been the archdeacon of Dorset. And he was born in Geneva, but then became an archbishop, having worked his way up. But he'd acquired this rather unfortunate nickname, the Butcher of Cesena, following his decision to command troops that were lent to the papacy by a mercenary 
to put down a rebellion in the town of Cesena. And between 3,000 and 8,000 civilians are thought to have been killed after being promised leniency in their rebellion if they laid down their arms. And in came this murderous army and just killed the lot of them. So he didn't come with necessarily the most sort of pacifistic credentials. I mean, there's a lot of names and a lot of dates in this story, but just to get to where we are now, mm. there's Urban the Sixth in Rome and there's Clement the Seventh in Avignon. Just two popes, just a pope and an anti-pope. No biggie. It's a bit difficult when you believe in papal infallibility. <laughs> hey, there's three gods, so why not have a couple of popes? <laughs> <laughs> There's, you know, Clement VII, as you mentioned, his nickname was the Butcher of Chesna. And then you had Urban VI. He was the last non-cardinal to become Pope. And I think his lack of status and kind of ties within the Vatican was thought to be an advantage. It was a delicate time. He proved to be basically a bit of a psycho. The cardinals were kind mm. of scared of him. He was very arrogant. He had a very violent temper and was willing to not only torture rebel cardinals, but also he liked them to be tortured within yeah. his hearing so he could enjoy it. You know, they were, neither of them were great candidates for, you know, the leader of the flock. And as you can imagine, when we're talking about God's representative on earth, it did get quite heated between the two of them. Neither of them were what you would call chill dudes. Uh, Clement declared Urban the Antichrist, uh, while Catherine of Siena, who had been instrumental in bringing the papacy back to Rome, called the rebel cardinals in Avignon devils in mm. human form. You see, this is the problem. If you turn any business into a franchise, you have to have universality, <laughs> don't you? You can't have deviation like this at the top. So the other issue was, politically, who do you support? Which pope are you going to go for? Uh, France and Scotland supported the anti-pope in Avignon. England and the Holy Roman Empire, of course, supported the Roman pope. Yeah, I mean, Clement VII, our anti-pope, really tried to win the day just through brute force. First, he incited Louis I, the Duke of Anjou, to take up arms in his favour, and Louis went to war with some 40,000 troops. But the campaign was pretty unsuccessful, and Louis died uh, in 1384. And after that, Clement just sort of looked around for other equally brave, potentially foolhardy and interested champions who might take on the whole business he found Louis' son, first of all. He mounted a bit of an attack on Rome. But basically, as the years went on, he started running out of money, basically. That brought his ambition to an end. He eventually died in Avignon in 1394 and handed over to the next in line of anti-popes. So now it's become a generational thing. So this went on for 30 years, this nonsense. Yeah, and this might all sound a bit nonsensical and abstract to the common person, but ordinary people actually did care. We have accounts of people deciding to leave their city if they switched allegiance, as mm. did happen. In 1394, Bruges decided to switch from recognising one to the other, and apparently a lot of the artisans and craftspeople decided to leave and go to a different city that was more in line. It was like football teams. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so on the 5th of June 1409... There was a decision by the council in Rome to call a meeting in Pisa where they would denounce both popes, the pope and the anti-pope, and declare them as heretics. Anyway, they all got together and then it turned out to have this conflap that their solution was just to elect a third pope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was not intentional. They wanted to go back to one pope. They somehow added an extra pope into the mix. So then they had a third pope, the Pisan pope. So you've now got the Roman pope, Gregory XII, the Avignon pope, who was Benedict XIII by this point, and the Pisan pope, John XXIII. It took I mean, if, the, if popes don't do anything, it's breed. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it took a four-year effort from what was called the Council of Constance to finally broker a resolution, which turned out to be 
a fourth pope. Specifically, <laughs> they demanded the abdication of all three popes, Roman, Pisan, and Avignon, and then they would decide on the election of a brand new pope, Adone Colonna, who would become Martin V. Yeah, I mean, that does seem like the only real way to resolve what had become, I think we can all agree, a bit of a mess. I mean, the next... Too many popes. <laughs> just a couple too many popes. Um, but I think the next thing that was a bit complex and they had to resolve is, you know, now looking back and trying to determine which is the true and legitimate line of popes. And eventually they decided, looking back on it, that it was the Roman line. So Urban VI comes out of it looking like the most papal one around. Even though the cardinals hated him so much. I know, yeah. That within a year of electing him, they said he wasn't the pope. Yeah, I mean, you know, a, as Rebecca... Yeah, difficult thing to forget. Yeah, I mean, as Rebecca said, there weren't many good choices at this stage. Neither the off-the-hook wide one, nor the one who had slaughtered lots of people who were terribly good candidates for who, who was the true Pope all those years ago. One of the things that caught my eye was the person who ultimately decided that in years to come, he would take on the name of Clement VII, now unoccupied by an actual Pope. 145 years was the an amount of elapsed time that it was evidently uh, sufficient to arrive at this. And Pope Clement VII, the actual Pope Clement VII, uh, was elected in 1523, he became known as the most unfortunate of all the popes. So things didn't go very well for him. He oversaw a, a bunch of problems, including, for example, King Henry VIII's contentious divorce and ultimately, you know, England breaking away from the Catholic Church. So things went a little bit wrong yeah. for him as well. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, actually, it's quite impressive in a way that this schism was resolved when you consider things like the schism that led to Anglicanism right. or, you know, why we have still the Eastern Orthodox Church today, which was the result of an earlier schism. I mean, actually, it's amazing that 40 years elapsed, but still there was enough understanding that we need to rein this in, guys, because otherwise this is going to be the end of us. Yeah, the whole episode really undermined the papacy as an institution, as you can imagine, uh, and the unity of the church as a whole. It's credited with helping lay the groundwork for the, you know, Borgia, Medici, Renaissance popes, you know, the ones who are always being all sleazy and sleeping around and, like, lounging mysteriously. All of the, that era of popes apparently all came from this general idea that the papacy was kind of a joke. You know, if you can have two, basically two Vaticans, it does kind of undermine the idea that God has one mm. representative on earth. Mm. Well, it's hard to put a true figure on it because of all of the people down the years who have claimed to be Pope, who <laughs> not all of them actually have been Pope, but there are thought to have been around 40 anti-Popes all up. And interestingly, some people now say Francis is an anti-Pope. But the current Pope? Yeah, the current <laughs> Pope is an anti-Pope on the basis that basically Benedict... Uh, the Pope before Francis, right, yes. is one of the Since very that. few people, yeah, to actually renounce his papacy. So you then had this situation where you had two popes in Benedict and Francis living at the same time. I mean, luckily they were both living in the Vatican City. They're probably like, Benedict, you can retire, but please don't ever go to Avignon. <laughs> <laughs> Tomorrow. Where in Britain we were consuming 430,000 tonnes of cod per year. Ditch the ads and get a Sunday episode when you join Club Retrospectors. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors.